You're listening to Sermons at FCC Moorhead, a podcast of sermons preached at First Christian Church in Moorhead, Kentucky. A congregation in the Christian Church Disciples of Christ tradition, we are a faith community seeking to live out Christ's call of hospitality and shalom. I'm Reverend Nancy Galler, minister at FCC, and each week we'll post the latest sermon preached from our pulpit. Most weeks you'll hear my voice, but from time to time you'll find guest preachers on this podcast too. Thanks for listening. Earlier this summer, I met my brother and sister-in-law in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, for a few days of hiking in the Great Smoky Mountains. And because schedules are never easy to coordinate, we were a few weeks late for our desired thing to see. We wanted to see peak spring wildflowers, but this was June. And so our first full day of hiking started with the hike to Klingman's Dome, and then we hiked back down. We saw those amazing ranges of the mountains of the Smokies, and after we got back down, we were still feeling a little peppy, and we opted for a second trail in the opposite direction to a place called Andrews Bald. It's a 3.6-mile out-and-back hike where if we were lucky, Really, really lucky, the guidebook said that we might see flaming azaleas with those blooms of brilliant orange and red and yellows. So we made our way down the trail, made it to the clearing, and we looked around and we were disappointed because all there were were rhododendrons at the very end of their blooming season. And we stopped for a while, and there was a couple there that were, was having a, a late lunch on the trail, and so I start, struck up a conversation with them, and I said, you know, we were, we were looking for flaming azaleas. And they said, well, maybe if you go a little bit past there, a little bit further on, you might look there and see. But they usually don't show up till Father's Day. So off we traipsed through the tall grass and beyond the rhododendrons, and we saw a few bright orange blossoms. And then there were some more. And then over there, there were some more, until we realized that we were in a field surrounded by flaming azaleas. (laughs) And they were amazing. And it had just been out of our sight the whole time, this fantastic color show that nature puts on every year. In today's scripture reading, Moses walks into the wilderness as he tends to the flock of his father-in-law Jethro until he comes to the mountain of God. Now the Hebrew preposition that's translated as into in other places most often is translated as behind, which would be a very odd construction. Think about it. Moses driving the flock behind the wilderness. Another translation puts it as the backside of the desert. He is out there, in other words. It's like the dark side of the moon, where you don't go. You can't see. We might think of it as traveling deep into the wilderness. 
And there's no explanation in the text why Moses takes the flock so far from home. Did he just lose track of time? Was he lost in thought? Was he in search of better pastures for the sheep? I think perhaps the storyteller is drawing us into the mystery of this encounter by letting us know that Moses has wandered out of familiar territory. In a way, it's like the opening song of that Sondheim musical as Little Red Riding Hood sings, into the woods and down the dell, the path is straight, I know it well, into the woods and who can tell? What's waiting on the journey? What's waiting on the journey for Moses is to stand in the place of encounter. Mount Horeb, which seems to be a different name for Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And there, without explanation, Moses sees something which will change his life forever. A flame of fire in the midst of a bush. A bush burning with fire, but not consumed by it. Moses is drawn by the side, he's wondering at the mystery, and the storyteller gives us a glimpse of Moses' inner dialogue at this moment, where he thinks to himself, let me pray, turn aside, that I may see this great sight. Notice the narrator is letting us know that Moses chooses at this moment to stop what he's been doing, tending his father-in-law's sheep, and to look closely at this bush in flames. This is intentional, what happens here. Moses is now leaving the path. He's following his own curiosity. He's investigating this great sight, paying attention to what is right before his very eyes. It's this act of paying attention one day that will change the arc of his life story. It's an opening moment for a life that will be defined by God's liberating work in the world. Transformation is at work right here, right now in this moment. For we see that Moses is beginning to come to himself in this encounter. In the words of the poet Mary Oliver, this is the first wildest and wisest thing I know, that the soul exists and that it is built entirely out of attentiveness. As Moses stands mystified in front of this burning bush, God speaks his name, Moses, Moses. And Moses, in the presence of this great mystery, has enough self-awareness to say, uh, here I am. And then God tells Moses, come no closer here. Take off your sandals from your feet for the place you are standing on is holy ground. The Hebrew word used here for ground is adamah. It's the same root word used to designate the first human in the Genesis creation story. Adam. Adam. Watch out, God is telling Moses, because this is holy dirt. That patch of earth on which you are standing is sacred, holy. And this is the first time that the word holy appears in Hebrew scriptures. It seems to me significant 
that it happens here, and that it is the very earth, the dirt, the soil that is named holy by God. Long before in the first chapter of Genesis, God declares the land to be good. Remember, God uh, moved the waters, contained the waters, and formed the seas and the dry lands, and God said, look, this is good. Now, in this particular spot, the very earth beneath Moses' feet, this hummus is blessed, God says. It is a place of encounter with the sacred, a place which nourishes life. It is a place of calling, and it will be a place of liberation. Now, there's a tinge of otherness, too, in that, isn't there? Come no closer here, God says. The sacred is a place of blessedness. Yes, it is a source of life. And it holds within it at the same time a sense of danger, of awe, of mystery and inaccessibility. Make no mistake, this encounter Moses has with God is one that is to be experienced and not explained. Later, as the story unfolds, we see that although God is disclosed to Moses, God is not contained by Moses. One day, we know Moses will lead the people back to this spot, back to this holy ground where they too will encounter God in worship and in a calling for their own future as God's people. Take off your sandals from your feet, God says. I suspect that Elizabeth Barrett Browning probably has the most well-known reflection upon this scene, right? Earth crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around and pluck blackberries. Now why take off his shoes? Is it simply a courtesy to the divine, much like taking off one's shoes when you enter a house? That was the rule in my mother's house. In many cultures, taking off one's shoes in a sanctuary is a sign of respect, of reverence for a holy place. But I like to think that God is inviting Moses to remove anything which is separating him from that holy ground. Take off your shoes, Moses. Let your bare feet feel the soil beneath them. Wiggle your toes. I was one of those shoeless children in the summertime. I don't know about you. It feels good on the feet, those blades of grass, doesn't it? My dad was so proud of his lawn. Much of it was zoysia grass, which he just loved. And he'd take plugs and move it until all... The yard was always a grass. And it's that thick carpet of grass, which grows so well in hot weather and in direct sun. And if I close my eyes right now and I wiggle my toes, I can almost feel what that grass felt like as a child. Perhaps God is saying to Moses, come on into this sacred space, really be present here. Find your balance in the dirt of the earth. 
so that you really know what it feels like to live on sacred ground where the holy burns like fire in your presence. Back in 2007, I was at a Celtic retreat held by the Northumbrian community at their retreat house in Nether Springs, which is not far, it's in England, it's not far from the holy island of Lindisfarne, off the very northeast coast of England. And the abbey was built on this island back in the 7th century. And Holy Isle is about three miles long, and it's a tidal island which means it's only accessible at low tide when the water recedes. And so on one of our retreat days, we followed the traditional pilgrimage trail from the mainland to the island. And our leaders invited us to take off our shoes. Now the trail is just under a mile. And as you begin, you start on hard-packed sand and then you move to solid but wet ground. And then you walk through patches of seagrass. And then you get to the long stretches of mud flats, where the muck just sticks to your feet and it comes up through your toes and it covers everything. And that intentionality of taking that journey without shoes meant that we experienced each step different. With the wetness and the earthiness covering the bottoms of our feet and oozing through our toes. As we walked, we could see the road that others would drive to the island. But we were taking a different path. As the wind blew, I could almost hear sounds of generations of pilgrims walking that very same path before us. It was holy ground. All that muck was holy ground. I remember whispering to myself the words from one of my favorite poems by T.S. Eliot, written of another holy place far from Lindisfarne, hidden in the trees, well off the highway. You got to want to get to Little Gidding. And he wrote, if you came this way, taking any route, starting from anywhere at any time or any season, it would always be the same. You would have to put off sense and notion. You are not here to verify, instruct yourself, or inform curiosity or carry report. You are here to kneel where prayer has been valid. This September, we are journeying together through the season of creation, joining with Christians around the globe as with intention and care, we celebrate the amazing gifts of this planet. And at times, we may take a very wide lens and focus on larger themes of wonder and majesty. And we'll also join in times of lament for the ways in which humans have injured creation through inattention, our greed, our lack of wisdom, or just human pride. But I would encourage you to spend time this month, spend intentional moments focusing your gaze on the earth beneath 
your feet. On the tree just outside your window, I invite us to turn aside this month, just as Moses did, and really see what's around us. Earlier, Jenny read from Wendell Berry's essay, An Entrance to the Woods, and he allowed us to travel with him from Lexington to his campsite in the Red River Gorge. And later on in that same essay, he reflects on how long it takes for us nowadays to become fully present where we are. He remarks that driving on that highway, even as one sees the changes in scenery as the rolling hills of the bluegrass grow more pronounced, he writes, though one is in Kentucky, one is not experiencing Kentucky. One is experiencing the highway, which might be in nearly any hill country east of the Mississippi. In other words, how we move in the world determines what we see and what we fail to notice. How we make sense of our experiences and the values we choose to cherish. Recently, I stumbled across a wonderful series of children's books. I love picture books. These are from Magic Cat Publishing. And they're on paying attention to what's around you. And the first book in the series is called Slow Down, bringing our eyes to a busy world with 15 nature stories. And each two-page story is a deep dive into something we encounter in nature, but we might just walk right on by. And these little watercolor illustrations bring to life the wonder of how a bee pollinates a flower, or the science behind the dew that appears on a leaf in the morning. And each story is in itself a step-by-step -step guide on how to slow down and how to pay attention. If you want to see it, it's in the worship corner in the back on the table. It's a delightful read for all ages, and it ends with an invitation to practice slowing down and connecting to the earth. I invite us to make this journey through the season of creation carefully to slow down, to pay attention, to listen closely, to ask yourself, what do I see? What do I hear? What do I feel in this moment, in this place? How is it where you are in that moment? How is that place holy ground? I invite you to reflect on those questions and others. You might want to write a haiku each week. I want to see forest haikus coming at me on social media. Maybe you just want to say, I'm going to take a walk outside each day and pay attention to what I see. Maybe you'll make a sketch, write in a journal, talk over coffee with a friend about what you noticed that day, where you found holy ground. After that first day's hike to Andrew's Bald in the Smoky Mountains, 
We explored several other trails in the park. And the funny thing was, on every other hike we took after that one, we saw flaming azaleas. Now, there were no big groves like that first day, but there was a bush over there. Sometimes it was right next to the trail, other times it was back in the distance, but our eyes were trained to see them, and they were everywhere. We just had to learn to turn aside so that we could see the holy ground on which we walked. Thanks be to God. Thanks for listening. We hope you found inspiration today. To learn more about our congregation, you can like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Until next time, be well, be kind, and always be the church where you are.